And the answer is yes. There's always enough grace, and God is so faithful in our lives. Amen? Um, So I have about 27 minutes to do a series. (laughs) And so uh, we're going to move fast, but I just want to let you know that we're going to stay camped out in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, that's where we'll stay camped out today. We're going to talk about um, an experience in the life of David. Now, this is not a news story. You heard it ever since you were a child. Uh, But I hope to give new revelation and new light to it this morning as we dig into the Word and as we apply it to who we are in Christ according to the New Covenant. So we'll begin in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I want to read the first nine verses, um, actually 2 through 9 and 2 through 11. And so here we go. You ready? You buckled up? Awesome. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew in a battle array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and a valley was between them. So I want you to get that picture in your mind right now because it's important to the story. On one mountainside was the children of Israel, the army of God, and on the other side was the Philistines who were coming to uh, battle against them, and there was this big valley between them. Verse 4, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now that's actually nine feet, nine inches tall. It's actually about a foot higher than this soffit here behind me. And so Goliath was a very, very big, formidable foe. Uh, He was not a small person at all. And, of course, the children of Israel were about half his size. And so it says that when the champion came out that uh, from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, that he was nine feet, nine inches tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels. Now, in our terms, that's 126 pounds. So just the coat of mail that he had on to cover his heart and his lungs Um, It weighed 126 pounds. That's the size of many of you ladies in the congregation today. So just the coat of mail that he had was that size. Verse 6, And he had bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. He had a javelin pack evidently behind his shoulder where he could reach back, grab that javelin, and pull it out at any time that he wanted to. Now the staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam, And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. So just the spear itself weighed 15, 16 pounds. Everything was big about Goliath. I tell you, he was a foe to be dealt with. And it says a shield-bearer went before him. His shield was so big that it took one full human being to carry just the shield that he would hold up to, again, protect his vital organs, his heart, and his lungs. A shield-bearer went before him. Verse 8, And he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel, and he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. And if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. 
Give me a man that we might fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You know, when the army come, uh, the enemy comes against you, your first response is always going to be to be dismayed and to be afraid. But that's not the right answer. Wrong answer. God has given us the spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound, safe-thinking mind. Amen? But Saul and the, uh, the army of Israel, they were dismayed and they were afraid. Now, let me tell you one thing about uh, the champion concept. That's something that we don't have here. But a champion is one who would decide the outcome of a particular battle by one single-handed fight with a similar com- uh, champion from the opposing side. And so they would go out and choose a champion between all of them so that everybody wouldn't have to get killed in the battle. Only one guy would have to get killed. Now, I don't know if, if it's gone off in your head yet, ding, 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 but Jesus Christ was our champion. He was chosen to fight the battle for us so that we all did not have to perish and that we all do not have to die, but that we can walk free from the battle and free from the enemy who would come out and taunt us day and night. Which brings me to verse 16. So the champion of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 16 says this. We're going to drop down to that. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. So if there's one thing you can say about the devil in your life is that he's persistent, right? He he doesn't give up. He doesn't cave in. He doesn't quit. He's always there hammering doubt and fear and dismay and challenge to you in your life as a Christian. Did you know Satan's job is to challenge you as a Christian, to laugh at you and taunt you and make fun of you? That's what he does. And he comes out and he says, I defy you to believe the word of God. I defy you to stand out in faith and believe what the word of God says. And he does it morning and night. Is this right? Uh, Does the same devil attack you that attacks me? And that's the way it was with Goliath. He came out day and night. So there were um, eight brothers Um, Jesse had eight sons, and the youngest was David. And David kept the sheep, and he was a shepherd boy. And um, he took care of all the sheep for the family. And his older brothers, the three older brothers, were in this army that was being attacked and challenged by Goliath. And so his father called him in, and he said, David, I want you to go take food. I want you to go take some cheese and some bread to your brothers out in the army out in the army, and out in the field. And I want you to find out how the war is going and what's going on with them and bring back news to me of how things are going. And so David said, okay, Dad, I'll do that. I'll be glad to do that. And so David left his sheep, and he went, and he pursued um, the army of God, and he spoke to his brothers, and he said, how's everything going when he brought him the food? Well, it didn't take long for him to get in the fray before he realized that things were not going very good. So we're going to pick up in verse 23 of the story. And uh, he's brought the food to them, and he's given them the supplies. In verse 23 it says, And then he talked with them, and there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. In other words... Goliath came out again. He said the very same thing he had been saying for 40 days. 
and 40 nights. And he said the same thing. But this is really, really important. According to the same words, so David heard them. David heard the words of the enemy. You know, so many times when we're in battle, we don't recognize that we're hearing the words of the enemy. We haven't made the distinction between whether it's Anne, whether it's the Lord, or whether it's the enemy. And that's so important when you're in the battle that you make sure that you know who's speaking to you. I, I have talked with so many people, and they come in for counseling, and they say, well, this and this and this. And I say, don't you know that's not God speaking to you? Don't you know those aren't your thoughts? Don't you know that that's the enemy of the living God who's trying to attack you and who's trying to discredit you and who's trying to make you understand that you're not what God says you are? That's the enemy. So in verse 23, it's really, really important that this is what was said, and David heard them, and David heard them. We'll drop down to verse 26. Verse 26, it says, And David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? I love that because David is just a kid. I mean, every kid, every grandkid I have wants to know, so what do I get for this, right? And he was just a youth, and I think this expression that he said was just an, an example of his youth. He says, okay, if I kill him, I kill him, what will happen? What will be given to him? So verse 26 continues, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And this is David saying this. First of all, he says, what will I get? And then the second thing he says is this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I love that. I remember the day I first saw that. Um, I, I had heard about David and Goliath and the five stones, and I'd never since my youth. But when I saw that scripture, I saw it, and I heard it, and I realized it. That what was going on was that David, even though he was young, that he was someone who knew he had a covenant with God Almighty. See, when he identified Goliath, he didn't say Goliath who's 10 feet tall or Goliath who has a male coat of 126 pounds or Goliath who has a spear that's 15, 16 pounds or Goliath who has someone going before him just to carry his shield or or Goliath who said over and over and over, I'm going to kill you. He didn't identify Goliath that way. Um, sometimes we identify our, our enemies in our life by what we see and what we perceive and what they tell us about ourselves and about themselves. But David didn't do that. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the armies of the living God? And two things there, uncircumcised many didn't have a covenant with God. Uncircumcised many didn't have a covenant with God. And the other thing he says, who should taunt the armies of the living God? See, the Philistines worshipped a lot of dead gods. And David knew that. And he said, he's defying the army of the living God. You know, in your mind, in your heart, God has to be living. He has to be alive. He can't be a dead God on the pages of some book. He has to be alive and living inside of you, as we sang about this morning. He has to be living inside of you. And so that's where David was coming from. So what happened? Well, his brothers reacted. How many of you know siblings always react? 
Any of you have any sibling reaction during this Thanksgiving weekend? Okay, we won't go there. And so his brothers reacted to him, and this is what they said. In verse uh, 26, we just read, in verse 28, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard, and then he spoke, uh, when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep? Uh, in the wilderness. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? (laughs) What have I done now? I mean, I just came down to bring you food and drink, and all of a sudden you're mad at me because I've said we should defy the the enemies of uh, the armies of God, and we should believe that we're covenant people. What have I done now? I'm just using my faith. What have I done now? And so um, that's the way it is sometimes when you step out and you say, I'm going to address the issues in my life. I'm going to address the giants in my life, and I'm going to be an overcomer. Then sometimes your brothers come to you and your sisters come to you, and they say, well, are you sure God really said that you could do this? Are you sure that you're hearing from the Lord? Are you sure? And then sometimes they're just downright angry with you the way... um, David's brother was angry with him, and he said, I'm angry at you. You're prideful. Uh, You're just a little twerp with a few little sheep out in the wilderness. What makes you think you can do better than us mighty men in the army of Israel? Uh, And David didn't listen to him. But then Saul came to him when he told Saul that he was willing to do that, and then Saul came to him, and that is in verse... um, 33, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from your youth. And so um, David couldn't find an advocate anywhere. He was his only advocate. And sometimes in the battle that's arrayed against you, you will be your only advocate. Make sure you don't choose the wrong side. Always go with your faith and not your fear. Be strong and be mighty in what God has called you to. And know that you are a people of God who have a covenant with God Almighty. And that he is on your side and that he is the living God. And so Saul said to him, um, I, don't, I don't think you can do this because you're just a youth. And actually, Goliath has been a youth, uh, been an army uh, general and a champion since he was a youth himself. He has so much more experience than you do. So David begins to tell them a story. And he tells them the story and he says, um, Saul, when I was uh, young and I was in the field, there was a lion and a bear that came and tried to steal my sheep. And you can pick this up in verse 34. And he says, uh, uh, and they began to steal my sheep And I went up against that lion, and uh, I grabbed him by the beard, and I smote him. In other words, I slugged him, and I took the very sheep out of his mouth, and I saved my sheep. And then he said, then there was another time that there was this bear, and he came up, and he scooped up one of my lambs, and I went up against him, and and I hit him, and I took my lamb right out of the mouth of the bear that was trying to steal him. 
Now, this is a lot like a scripture we hear in John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And David knew that. David knew that there was no way in the world he was going to let a thief come in and take his sheep. Not while it was on his watch. He was going to overcome. And when you overcome into the little things like the lion and the bear, which aren't little things, I mean... I mean, that's pretty bold and pretty, pretty bold to me. But when you overcome in the little things, then you can face the giant, no matter how big that giant is, no matter how much he taunts you, no matter how much he says to you, you can stand up to him and say, I am a covenant man or woman of God, and you will not defy the living God that lives on the inside of me. Amen? And so that's what David told Saul, and Saul said, well... This little twerp is not going to give up, (laughs) so let me bring him into my tent, and let me give him my armor. And so Saul brought David in, and he gave him his armor, and it was so big that the scripture says that David couldn't even walk. (laughs) He was dwarfed because Saul was a big man too, and he was dwarfed in the armor, and so David took it off, and he said to Saul, he said, I cannot wear your armor. I have to do what I know how to do the way I know how to do it. You know, no one can have faith for you. You can't clothe yourself in Pastor Jamie's faith. You can't clothe yourself in my faith. You have to clothe yourself in the faith that God has given you. Well, uh, David was a member of the tribe of the Benjamites, and they were really, really good with a sling. And it was not a one-time event that he took the sling and killed the kill the giant that day that's the way they hunted it was part of their lifestyle and it was part of what they did and he was really really good at it and they would take the sling not the one that we're used to or that you played with as a kid but it would actually just be a little pocket that you put a rock in and two slings and you would sling it just like this and then just at the right time you would let it go let one side of the string go and it would go sailing forward and so David had a craft He had been taught. He had been prepared to face Goliath. He was good at what he did. It was not a hit and miss thing with the sling that he used that day, but he was good at what he did. God is preparing you even now for the giant that's going to knock on your door and try to defy you and try to defy the living God that lives within you. God is preparing you. You should live every day knowing that God has prepared you. And then once you know that, you can do what David did. Let's see if I can get back to my notes. Um, So David said, God is faithful. He delivered me from the lion and the bear. And he will give me the victory in everything because he's given me the victory in the past. If you don't write down in a journal what God has been faithful and done in your life, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on faith vitamins. Uh, Because you can read that journal every day and take a faith vitamin and say, well, God did it for me then. And he'll do, me, do it for me again. We need to remember God's faithfulness. So I want to pick up in verse 40. This is what happened. We'll read 40 through 51. <clears throat> and then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch, which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. And so the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. So David is actually facing two enemies, not just one, but two enemies at this time. And then when the Philistine learned 
about and saw looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. You know, David uh, David was having a rain, uh, Rodney Dangerfield moment. He just couldn't get any respect. He couldn't get any respect from anybody, his brothers or Saul or the giant. <laughs> any of you ever feel like that? You're fighting the fight of faith and you can't get anyone to agree with you or anyone to give you any respect. And, you know, don't be deterred by that. It's not what other people think about you. It's what you think about yourself. You know, it's what you think about yourself and who you know who you are in Christ. You know, you got to know who you are in Christ. And so it, no one else believes in you. So what? Believe in yourself, but God says that he's made you the head, not the tail. He's made you above and not beneath. Amen. Amen. You're a covenant man or woman of God. Well, let me get back on track, which is somewhere around 42 (laughs) or 43. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Uh, So not only was he intimidating, but he was using all the spiritual force that he could. He cursed David by his own gods. But they were all dead gods, right? And David knew that. Amen. Verse 44. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. This God of the army of Israel whom you have defied. In other words, David knew who he was, and he said, I don't care what you're coming to me with. I know you've got big swords and big javelins and all that, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I love the scripture that says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. There are many times in my life when I've quoted that scripture and said, Lord, I'm a coming. I'm running into your name right now. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. I'm running into your name right now. So I want to go back for just a moment to the fact that David went down to the brook and he picked up five stones. Um, there was only one enemy, and that was Goliath, but he picked up five stones. Now, five in the scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, is the number of grace. Uh, Numbers in the Old Testament particularly have meaning, and they carry weight as far as meaning in the Bible. And so he he picked up five stones. Now, there's some theologians who would say that he picked up five stones because Goliath had four brothers. But there's never a reference to those four brothers ever coming against the children of Israel. So I choose to believe that David picked up five stones because he picked up all the grace that was available to him. So should you just pick up one stone when you're in the battle? You pick up all the grace that's available to you. You leave no grace on the ground. Now I want to give you a a definition of mercy and grace. A lot of times we get the two mixed up, and mercy is this. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Um, you've committed a crime, you're standing before the judge, and the judge says, I find you guilty, but I'm going to give you mercy. And instead of life in prison, I'm going to give you uh, so many years and the possibility of parole. That's mercy. That's when you don't get what you deserved. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, mercy came running to you, and it found you. 
And it says, even though they deserve death because sin has separated them from God, mercy came running and Jesus Christ paid the price for us to walk in the mercy of God. Now, grace is something else. Grace is favor. It's goodness. It's unmerited favor. It's uh, undeserved. And it's great love manifested towards you from the Father. It's, it's not because you've done something wrong and he's allowing you to be free or give you mercy and not give you all that you deserve. And many Christians stop there. Many Christians live their whole life just in the mercy of God. And God wants us to live in his grace. Grace is when your little kid or your child comes to you and says, I want that. And you smile, a big smile, and you take whatever that is and you give it to them. That's favor. Now, you could have said no. See, so many people think that God says no all the time. God is a God of such grace and favor in your life. He adores you. He loves you. And when you know that, you're not ever afraid anymore to crawl up in his lap and say, Daddy, I need healing. Or, Daddy, I need a miracle in my life. Or, Daddy, I need finances in my life. Or, Daddy, I need you to take care of someone that I love that I can't take care of. And when you understand God's grace and you scoop it all up, don't just take the one rock you need. Scoop it all up. Have it in your bag. Have it ready in case there's another giant that comes knocking on your door. And you scoop that grace up and you say, Lord, I thank you that it's unmerited, it's undeserved, but you love me. You give me favor and you give me grace in my life. So let's pick up with a scripture. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give you flesh, your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the enemies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, and I will take your head from you. And this day the Philistines to the... uh, And this this day... um, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, God gives you the victory not just because he loves you and he has great favor in your life, but God gives you the victory because he wants the world to know that he's God. He's the true and living God. He is God. Verse 47, And then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, uh, give it into your hands. If you're fighting the battle in your own strength, uh, you can count on losing. But if you're fighting the battle in the strength and the power of the Lord and standing on the truth and the commitment of the word of God, then you can count on the victory, because God is a victorious God. Amen? Verse 48, so it was when the Philistines rose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. Now, I love that verse. I totally love that verse. Remember, the the armies of Israel had been afraid and dismayed. They had stood on their mountain. The Philistines were on their mountain. The valley in between them was a safe place. And they had heard Goliath 40 days and 40 nights taunt the armies of Israel. And so David says... 
through all the objection from everyone who told him he couldn't do it, he said, I am God's man, and I know God is good, and I'm going to win this battle. It doesn't matter how big I am and how big Goliath is. What matters is how big God is on the inside of me. And I'm not fighting with a sword or a spear. I'm fighting with the power and the anointing of God Almighty. Amen. Amen. Woo! (laughs) And so um, David said, and David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. Um, He didn't say... Uh, timidly walk down the mountain and say, I think I can, I think I can. He was not the little engine that thought he could. He went lickety-split. He flew off that mountain. He ran toward Goliath. And he ran toward Goliath, and he took out what he knew to do in the name of the Lord. He took the stone out. And verse 49 says, And the David put his hand in his bag, and he took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face to the earth. Praise God. So David um, prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and the stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. Oh, that's so precious. The battle's not yours, the battle's the Lord's. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, the Philistine's own sword, and drew it out of its sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And then the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, and they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines so far as the entrance of the valley into the gates of Ekron. And they wounded the Philistines, and fell among, and they fell down, and they came back and took the spoils in their tents. And it was a great victory that day. It was a great victory that day. One thing about uh, the scripture that I just read to you is this, that when you slay the giants in your life, there are people who are watching, and they will learn to slay the giants in their life. So many times with our children, we want our children to overcome things, and we need to be the first one to overcome. We need to be the leader. A leader always overcomes first. And so when David killed Goliath, topped his head off and said, look, (laughs) I'm sure he held him by the hair of the head and said, look what I got today. And uh, when the armies saw that, they came running after the armies of the Philistines and they defeated them. When we get the victory in our life, we encourage others to get the victory in their life, particularly the people who are following you the people who are watching you. Parents, you know, the best example of Christ your children will ever see is you. The best example of victory in Jesus your children will ever see is you. How will they learn to be victorious if you're not victorious? And I knew you thought you were just David, but David had it all because he had the name of the Lord on his side. Now, when this happens, you can see, and I mean, this is one, just one chapter in the Word of God, and we could do a whole series on this. But the other thing you see in verse 55 through 58 is Saul looks at Abner, who's the head of his army, and he says to him, who's his daddy? And Abner says, I don't know, I'll find out. And then they ask everybody else, and they said, who's this kid's daddy? Where did he come from? Who's this kid's daddy? 
where did he come from? And so then he said, well, I'm, I'm the son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite in the kingdom of Israel. When you overcome, people are going to begin to say, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? I love that. I, you know, when I get down and I get discouraged, and I do too, just like you. I mean, it happens to all of us. The devil taunts. I have to say, okay, is this me? Is this the devil? Is this God? What voice am I listening to? Who am I hearing? And when I get down, then there's something on the inside of me that rises up and says, who's your daddy? And I say, oh, my daddy's the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I got the Trinity. I got them all. They're all on my side. Yes, I got this. To be successful as a Christian, you have to know two things. Who's your daddy? And to be successful, you have to know two things. First of all, you have to know who God is. You have to know that he's a living God, and there's no one like him, and there's no one before him, there's no one after him. He's the Lord God. He does not change. He does not waver at all. If he said it, he will do it. Number says God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? And will he not do it? And the answer is yes, amen. So that's the reason you study your word. Not so you'll get a star on the star chart. We don't have those around here. But you study the word of God so that you can know who God is and what he acts like and who he is and what his character's like. You know, when I hear people talk bad about God, I just know that they're ignorant of who he really is because God is a mighty God. He's a strong tower. Amen. So you got to know who God is. And then you got to know who you are. You got to know who you are. You got to know who your daddy is and who you are. And in those things, God gives the victory. Amen. Amen. I encourage you to study this uh, chapter, just one little chapter in the Word of God. Uh, so much, so pregnant with meaning. And I encourage you to study it this week. Uh, I'm going to give you an invitation to respond to it today. If I could have the altar ministry team come forward. Thank you for your patience today, and I just hope you've been encouraged, um, and I hope you've been challenged to not let the Goliaths in your life rule and reign. Don't be someone who stands on the mountain looking at the enemy and hearing his lies day after day after day, but be bold like David and be the one who takes his stones, uh, scooping up all the grace you can takes his stones and runs down the mountain and says, Goliath, I'm coming, and you're dead. I'm going to chop your head off. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of listening to you. You know, there comes a time in our life where you just get tired of listening to the lies of the enemy. But it's until you get there that you don't do anything about it. But we all need to just get tired of listening to the taunts and the uh, defying of the enemy of the Lord And we say to him, I'm not living under your curse. I'm not living under your threats. I'm not living under your dominion. I live uh, under the lordship of the king of kings and the lord of lords, and he is on my side. Amen? Now, if you're here today and you don't have a covenant with God, you can't go up Goliath against Goliath. Without a covenant with God Almighty, you're not qualified to go up in an, against an uncircumcised Philistine because you yourself are an uncircumcised Philistine. You have to have a covenant with God. 
If you've ever, never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, to come into your heart and to live big and mighty on the inside of you, then the day's the great day to do that. Because you will never slay the giants in your life until you are a covenant man or woman of God filled with a power and the anointing of God in your life. You may be a covenant man or woman of God today, but you've just been sitting there 40 days and 40 nights listening to the Goliath, the enemy, say to you, you'll never do it. You'll never make it. You may be afraid, go to bed afraid, wake up afraid, be dismayed. God wants to set you free from that fear today. That fear is not from God. It is not the voice of God. And it's not God's purpose or plan in your life. Today's the day to say no to fear. Today might be the day when you reach down and scoop up the grace you need and you put it in your pocket and you say, I'm going after Goliath. I'm going to run down the mountain and I'm going to defeat this giant in my life. Giants come in all shapes and sizes. And, of course, they come in all manifestations in our lives. It can be the giant of addiction. It can be the giant of sickness and disease in your life. It can be the giant of relationships that aren't right. It could be any giant where day after day after day, fear brought to you by the enemy is said to you, you'll never make it and you'll never overcome. Will you stand to your feet?